You get dumbfounded in the woods by chasing a sphere or balls of light, and they'll make you walk off a freaking side of a mountain. You know, they're really nasty creatures like this. everybody and welcome to the Paranormal Portal Podcast. I'm your host Brent Thomas. Thank you all for joining us and special thank you goes out to all of you who continue to support the podcast and continue to spread the word. Always remember if any of you out there have experiences of your own that you'd like to share, feel free to email me at paranormalportalradio at gmail.com. Again, paranormalportalradio at gmail.com and you too could be a guest on the show. Hey everybody and welcome to the Paranormal Portal Podcast. I'm your host Brent Thomas. Excuse my voice, I've been under the weather all week. It's been a hell of a run, but uh, if you'll indulge me my uh, sound, I will do my best to entertain you for the next 45 minutes to an hour. And uh, we've got a great guest for you guys tonight. This is a longtime friend of the Paranormal Portal who's joining us once again to uh, bring us through the the looking glass of his world and his uh his experiences. Our ho- our guest tonight is Mr. Ra Castaldo, who is host of the Eye of Ra on TFRlive.com, and uh, he's he's an incredible wellspring of esoteric and paranormal knowledge. And uh, he's joining us tonight to talk about the haunted Hudson Valley. So, guys, buckle up. This is going to be epic. Hey, Ra, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me back on, Brent. It's a pleasure to be speaking with you once again. I'm glad that you're starting to come around and feel a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, it's been a journey, brother, but um, yeah, I'm doing better. Every day's better, but yeah, I, I really appreciate you making this happen because uh, I know I have always enjoyed it. And every time after you come on, I get emails from our listeners like, oh, you got to get that guy back. So <laughs> here you are. I, I appreciate it, man. I, I And it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, yeah, we've been doing this a long time, both on, on TFR and YouTube and mm-hmm. for a while. You know, be, it, it, we're going to be talk, talking tonight about the Hudson, the specific Hudson River Valley of New York. The haunt, like I, Maybe you could say haunted or just the spiritual mm-hmm. Hudson River Valley of New York. Many, many years. And before we even get into that, first I would like to explain for, just for one or two minutes. You know, I was sort of born um, a sensitive you know, just to be sensitive to the certain harmonic fields, if you want to say, or sensitive sensitivity around us. I was born, it was a very rare birth, actually, is born inside the amniotic sac, which they call the call, C-A-U-L, the call. And I was born in still inside that, like my mother's water never broke, right? And I was born still inside that amniotic sac with the umbilical cord wrapped around my neck. So many people in, um, the esoteric going back thousands of years from shaman to even in modern days, you know, they, they, there's a lot of high percentage, I would say of people born this way that experience paranormal activity, second sight, psychic activity, um, just being a highly, uh, hypersensitive in all sorts of different ways. And then that I was born in 1978 in the call. And then in 1987, I had a near death experience. I think that even altered my hypersensitivity, uh, even more, Wow. And good and bad ways. So mm-hmm. I think I'm I'm just normally sensitive to some of this unseen forces that we have around us. And me being on in the Hudson Valley, the lower Hudson Valley here, I'm right across from the Hudson River, right on the shores of the Hudson River. This is basically um, 
seems to be built, you know, and of course, no one really proves it, but it seems to be built on ley lines or some sort of energetic grid of our planet, you know, a harmonic energy grid. Mm-hmm. And we have, Brent, I mean, all through just in the lower Hudson Valley here, from what we have left, because ancient civilizations a lot of times get broken down and used for building materials and all sorts of things. But just what we have left mm-hmm. that we see here in the lower Hudson Valley is amazing. We have megalithic granite dolmens, stone chambers, stone walls, standing stones, stone carns, mm-hmm. uh, stone effigies, stone circles, uh, sacred rivers and mountains. You know, and that's just what's left right now in, in, in here in 2022, you know, wow. and, and most of these spots are built on top of magnetic anomalies. So this is a it's a it's a very highly sensitive and sacred area. And, um, you know, like I said, ancient civilizations that could have once existed could have even been like the Norse and the Phoenicians. And there's clues to this. We have the Palisades Mountains here in the Hudson Valley where. Many believe that there could have been an ancient Norse civilization before the Ice Age even that existed called Norumbega. Norumbega is, is, I think it's spelled N-U-R-E-M-B-E-G-A or something like that. Mm -hmm. But it's an ancient Norse city. And there's clues right now out my window. I'm looking at a mountain that we call High Tor or High Thor Mountain. So that's clues that way before the Native Americans, maybe even there was a norse civilization here so i I really find that amazing and when you have a harmonic ley lines uh brent of of course on our energy grid here there seems to be a majority of ufos uh balls of light cryptids paranormal psychic activity all of this seems to be around these ley lines and we're going to be diving into a lot of that tonight you know so um you know when you're on a place like this uh Energies like this can be interfaced with, can be summoned, could be feared even. You, you know, it's it's a very interesting and and haunted kind of area. Just being on the fog coming off the Hudson in the morning, it's it's really intense. Fantastic. Yeah, take us on the road, brother. Yeah, well, the Hudson River, I mean, uh, just before we get into some of the experiences, it went by many names to even the natives. This was a sacred area to the natives because we call it the Hudson River now. But this area used to be the, the Lenap or the Muncie. Indians, the Muncie is actually what their di- dialect were, the natives. And they would call this river, the Hudson River here, Shetamuk. Right now, Shetamuk basically means the stately Cygnus or swan. And Cygnus is interesting because many of the ancient First Nations, Native American type tribes, they all have uh, a lot of legends that has to do with the Cygnus constellation being connected to the river of souls and the path of souls. So it's interesting that they even call this the Shutamuk, the stately swan or, or Cygnus. They also have um, Iroquois and different tribes that also called it like the Mohekanuk River, which basically means like the river that flows both ways because the Hudson River here has – uh, a spot that blows it flows like both north and south at the same time oh, wow. so it's very interesting mm-hmm. that they had that that name but they also had different names like mohicaninuk or mohicanituk you know by the iroquois and the mohicans and there's so many legends that have to do with certain uh water spirits like the nibanawags or the the pukwajis which actually comes from pukwajini or pukwajin Pukwajini, which uh, of course a, a, a jinn sure. is a is a Muslim sort of like a 
fallen angelic being. So it's interesting that they have that Pukwajini, which basically translate in Native American to the the little the little vanishing man of the forest, mm. right? And then mm. and it's said that they can be seen as nighttime approaches, as the as dusk comes in. So this is something that I've witnessed and, and sensed and, and felt myself. Even Long Island was called Metawak, which is a very spiritual place over here. But yeah, we have all sorts of Egyptian obelisks in New York. Uh, you know, the dolmens, the the river. We had the Battle of Stony Point that was right over here that is very close to me, where uh, many people died in one night. Benedict Arnold and Major Andre was uh, Major Andre got hung right up the road of here after betraying. The, the, the country with Benedict Arnold. Of course, we got Ledgeworth Village right down the road that we're going to get into as well. And all of this right here, you know, so it's a really, really crazy and, and haunted place when you start to think about it. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah. The, the It's interesting when you look into some of the names of the Native Americans of the Hudson Valley, because the Lenape Indians, they would they would basically keep a, a council fire always burning in a cave in the vicinity of uh, what's now called Shuk- Shukonak or Shuktak, right, in their language. And this means like the fireplace, which like even Romans did, like the Sibylline oracles would keep a sacred e- eternal spiritual flame burning in their in their temple. So it's very similar. And in the Hudson Valley here, the Lenape, in, the Lenape uh, natives, they basically had a, a guardian spirit of the forest that they called the Miniwawa. And this was the, the the goddess who basically like hung up the new moon and the stars and she ruled over the rain and, and brought like rain to the fields and the hills and, and all of this. And she was the one that presided over the Pukwajinis and, uh, you know, these little vanishing people of the woods who can only be seen as dusk is there and all of this. Right. And they had this cryptid being that I can only relate to like Bigfoot that they describe in these tales because – they called it what translated to uh, they basically called it Mishi Makwa. Mishi Makwa mm. basically translates to like the great naked bear. Oh. And this is a specific for the Hudson Rally Valley region here of New York because many people don't know about this cryptid name. Right? It's Mishi Makwa, which basically means great naked bear, like I said, but it's not really a bear the way they describe it. They describe it like this big you know, like a naked type bear monster that is highly intelligent but doesn't speak. And they would tell their children at night to sort of like keep them in line that this this Mishimakwa basically resides in the hills that shut in the valley in the north. And they would come devour bad little children if they weren't good at night, right? Wow. So they also would talk about and to sort of keep them in line and give them this myth but it, there might be some true. I know a lot of people don't think that Bigfoots or Sasquatch can be evil and, and, and cannibalized. But if they are some sort of Nephilim-type hybrid that has been here for many, many years, cannibalism is on the on the chart. You know, It's a possibility, mm-hmm. especially if some, someone invades their land. They could be either either beaten to death or, or, or something like that by one of these beings. So sure. it doesn't mean they're always passive because other people have talked about it. And all throughout this area, even in Pennsylvania, Chicky Rock, all these places, there's been UFO sightings and then a sort of cryptic sighting with these spheres of light in their arms. And it's almost like they're making installations or some sort of harmonic change to the area, mm-hmm. right? And they also have in those same hills that the Mishimakwa – Great naked bear resides. They also have the the Jeebi, the J E E B I. This is a ghost spirit 
that dwells in the hills as well. And there's an interesting story that talks about how this GB, great ghost spirit, that speaks in the dark through the the Wawanasa. This is some sort of like Wawanissa. This is some sort of like whippoorwill or, or some sort of like ghost whipper, whippering spirit through the wind. But there's a story how this ghost spirit is battling the windigos of the forest, these, these mm. sort of great strong forest shapeshifter beings. And they say that during this great battle between the storm spirits and the windigos, that trees were getting uprooted and pulled out of the forest, right? These wow. brought down great trees and all of this. So really intense stories that we have that go along with this. And, you know, when the settlers came, they probably uh, adapted, you know, most of these names that we have around here. Like all, it's we have all Native American names for all of our towns, mostly mm-hmm. around here. Even the town over is called Muncie. That's where a lot of the uh, the Hasidic Jewish people live now, and they have a whole community there actually called New Square. But that whole area was named after the the native dialect, and so it's all throughout here. Oh, right, okay. it's really intense. And when you when you think about this area and some of the ancient legends they're they're happening in modern day now then you know i mentioned the pukwajinis right this is something in slavic that they we even call like the rasalki or the the these 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 like fairy type beings right the fae Mm -hmm. we 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 had a show a couple of years ago me and you on the fae but these are some nasty nasty creatures man these are some nasty beings because they'll they'll entice people that not only you know some people that are – you don't even have to be psychic. You can just be emotionally charged mm-hmm. and in the right place at the right time in the woods or somewhere off where there's not a lot of population in the mountains or somewhere like this. And if you're emotionally charged up and it's the right time of day, the right alignment of the year, something like this, they can entice you and really play games with you, even make you walk off a freaking mountain. Wow. And it's, it's, it's happened almost to me before. You get dumbfounded in the woods by chasing a sphere or balls of light, and they'll make you walk off a freaking side of a mountain. Sure. You know, they're really nasty creatures like this. Mm-hmm. You know, they at one time, they were okay with humans. But after time, they really started to get, uh, I think, pissed off with the human race. And, and now they're, they're, they're a nasty thing to come across. Mm-hmm. Right? They entice you. And just when you're down, they'll they'll call you over somehow to, to to pull you in, and that's when they got you. You know, it's really intense like that, and they usually entice you with something really good. You know, whether whether whatever's going on in your brain at the time, if you're down on luck with love, man, they might appear to you as a beautiful blonde little girl, mm-hmm. and the next thing you know, uh, you're snatched up in their grips. You know, and, and it happens like this. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I've seen little creatures like this before in my life, and they're nothing that you want to come across. I'm telling you, and uh, they they seem to reside around spiritually charged areas as well, and also spiritually charged, emotionally charged people. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it tends to come out that way. So, a lot of these things that that I, I, many people believe are UFOs and aliens, I believe, are interdimensional creatures, and and part of what the natives were calling puckwajinis, you know, and, sure. and, and things like this. Mikey was supposedly somebody that was dropped off by his family and he was put in Ledgeworth and experimented on and he got free and he burnt down one of the facilities in there. Be 
Yeah, and it's funny how that that, yeah, that legend repeats itself. You know, not just in that region, but uh, you know, across across North America, there's the Pukwudgies and and the you know the idea that they will lure you into the forest and and they are a uh, uh, you know very malevolent little creatures that you should try never to uh, confront and and should avoid at all costs. So that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and you know my my wife. So I come from the Italian heritage, where we call these beings the filetto mm. or the filetti, okay. and there's all different types of these filettis. You know, we have all different names for different ones that that when English you would call like the salamanders and these and all the the, the sliffs and all these different names. But and my wife is they're Slavic, and she's first generation Slavic. Like her mom's from Slovakia, her dad was from Hungary, mm. and they have uh, same legends. Man, it's really intense. Like. They have like like how we have the Hudson River here. Well, along uh, some of these these other countries like that are related to like the Ukraine and, and Russia and all these these you know northern countries. They're Slavic countries. They have like the the Danube River, the Dnieper the Dnieper River, all these different rivers where these Rusalkis will will be these water spirits, and they come like uh, pale like the friggin' moon. And they 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 can wear white robes and have blonde hair and be really enticing, and uh, you know they're 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 sort of like forest and water spirits at the time, same time, and they talk about they could lure you and pull you into these crystal palaces in another dimension, hmm. you know that that are filled with gold and silver and all of this stuff and sure. and things going on like this. So it's really crazy uh, experiences that a lot of people have had all over the world. And it's like not just in the Hudson Valley, like you said, but it's it seems to be on certain energetic ley lines. Mm-hmm. And it's quite possibly they could have even been brought here on meteorites or comets or something like this long ago. Mm-hmm. They could have been seated here before humanity was ever even here. Wow. You know, so there's all sorts of stories like these beings uh, appeared after meteorites came down and, and all of this as well. So it, it's really interesting. Can I ask you know, you a and question? me being on the Hudson River since I'm a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always had experiences. I mean, uh, sure. you know, the there's this one. This is one time that I've never ta- talked about with you. Well, in in 2011, my mom was basically on her deathbed. Oh. Right, my mom had been dying for cancer for like four years at that point, mm-hmm. and she was on her last couple of weeks of life. Right, mm-hmm. and I had just hospice had just started to help us. Right, so I had I had left work, you know, gone to see my mom, was helping out over there. And then I had to go run some errands for my mom in the house. And I was like, I had just left and I, I it just started to sink in that my mom might, might pass away soon. So I was like really emotionally charged up. Sure. And I drove to the Hudson River right to the area where uh, there's a big, huge standing stone and monument where Benedict Arnold actually betrayed our country and, and mm-hmm. supposedly made these deals with Major Andre right there off the Havistraw Bay. Okay. So I, I, I pull in there just to get a second for myself to go like basically like cry in the park, mm-hmm. like not really like ball out cry, but I just wanted to go by myself like off for a minute, you know, and I, I kind of was like really emotionally charged. So as I'm sitting there looking out the water about 50 feet or so to my left, I looked over there was a girl, Brent, walking straight for the Hudson River. And we're at, you know, it was like May. Right then, where it's still a little bit cold, and you're not supposed to swim in the Hudson. I mean, the people don't go swimming in the Hudson anymore. Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe decades ago, but so there was this. She looked like she could be, you know, Puerto Rican or Dominican. You know, the big Dominican and Puerto Rican area over there, anyway. So she was Latin or Hispanic, 
you know, uh, descent just by the look of her skin. I only saw her from a side profile. So I look over to – she's like about 50 feet over to me. I'm, I'm looking over the bench. She caught the corner of my eye because she walked past me on the sand. There's sand right there. It's like dirty sand. It's not really a beach, but sure. there's like a, a few feet of sand, right? So she's walking barefoot, clothed, right in, into the river, dude. Like she walked – I'm like, is she going to put her feet in the river? But so I'm looking at her and I'm staring right at her, dude. She walked, never looked at me, walked right past me, silent. She walks right into the river, Brent, all the way through the river where she's head under and I can't find her. She didn't, it's not coming back up. So I run into the river, like I'm waist deep in the river, trying to wad in there to find her. I can't find her. I don't have a cell phone or nothing on me. So I run to my friend's house, which is up the road from there. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dude, you got to call the fire department or the police or whatever so he calls the fire dude nobody was in that that lake that river they oh. searched it with a, a little boat that they had sure nobody was in there it was oh. like some sort of it's an embarrassing moment too <laughs> <laughs> you know not only was i embarrassed but like you know my, i was death was was right there at, at the door in my right. family like i was i was like right there connected to the spirit world i think at that moment like thinking about my mom's mortality and mm-hmm. all this stuff going on and I think I caught a little imprint of that area of what might have happened. This I think this woman might have even committed suicide oh, once before sure. in that area. But it was really intense, oh. you know, really intense experience. And that's just one of the the the, the many experiences that I've had just along the Hudson River. Right. I mean, uh, I grew up a literal mile away from Letchworth Village. And this show being called Paranormal Portal, I'm sure you've heard of Letchworth Village before, right? <laughs> sure, yeah. You might have heard it before. Yep, but it was a, it's a haunted, basically, uh, insane asylum. Hmm. They, it was for mentally handicapped and mentally challenged people. But they were doing like lobotomies in there, oh, all sorts of stuff. They had a, a, a German, possibly ex-Nazi scientist working in there. And uh, they had another facility in new york city this is we're right outside new york city where i am it's rockland county right here borderline of rockland and westchester county and i'm a mile down the road from where letchworth village is now they have like social services there a golf course abandoned buildings but Mm -hmm. it's basically a complex of hundreds and hundreds of yards of stone buildings uh really amazing these old stone buildings and Mm -hmm. This was a place – they had another place in New York City called Willow Grove, I think it was called. I'm pretty sure it was called Willow Grove because even the street that they have it on near me, it was it's called Willow Grove Road. Okay. So I'm, I'm pretty sure it was called – no, Willow Brook. It might even be called Willow, Willow Brook. Brook. might have been called familiar. Willow Brook. Yeah. yeah, Willow Brook. But uh, uh, the sister place was right down the road from me. And in fact, I you know played soccer my whole life. So like Ledgeworth Village is directly off the – across the street from the soccer fields that I played at my whole life life so <laughs> rec soccer st- school soccer traveling soccer all these different soccer clubs that i played at i was always across the street from ledgeworth so it, it was a big part of my life driving past it every day on the bus everything you know my whole life even today if i want to go down the street i got to drive past ledgeworth all right so it's right there so when we were a kid we were you know and i think it closed in the 90s when i was in high school i think that's when it actually closed i'm not sure exactly the date when it closed but mm-hmm. i had you know, my fam- my my friends, the family, you know, that worked there, that were nurses there at a, at a time. My my family has my dad had a, a small home heating oil company in Westchester, Rockland. So we pretty much know a lot of people in the area. And uh, I played sports and all sorts of stuff. So I know like pretty much a lot of people in this area. So mm-hmm. like uh, some of these 
stories that not only happened to me, but some people that at firsthand I've been able to talk to, especially when it's related to some of the UFO counters in the early 80s that happened oh. right across the street here. Down the road is the Indian Point nuclear power plant oh, that, you know, a lot of things had happened in the early 80s around here. There's the big wave of, of UFOs. But I got to tell you what happened to me and my family at Letchworth Village. Jeez, yeah. Uh, yeah, dude, you got to hear about this. It was in the late 80s. Really intense. So on Saturday nights, me, my mom, and my dad would – I'm the, I'm the youngest. I'm, I'll be 44 this year, but my brother and sister are in their mid-50s. Okay. So like when I was younger, you know, by the time I was like 13 and 14, my brother and sister were like out of the house and married. So like a lot of times when I was younger, it would just be the three of us, me and my parents. Mm-hmm. So like every Saturday night, we had this like thing. We would go out for dinner, Chinese takeout, different stuff. So we would always have to go on the Palisades Parkway, which – you get off the exit right there in front of Ledgeworth Village. You have to go on the exit that way and get off the exit that way. So we went out to eat. We were coming home from going out to eat. Just as it's nighttime, just got pitch black dark out. It was like 9.30 at night, summertime. You could hear the crickets and everything going. It was like a beautiful, warm summer night, but it was dark. Right? It was like 9.30, 10 o'clock. It had just gotten real dark. So we just got off the parkway there. And, you know, like when you come off the parkway, Brent, you got to you kind of come to like a full stop. So you either go right towards where my house is and or left down the other way. But when you come to that full stop, you're looking directly at Ledgeworth Village. Oh, and when wow. you make the right to go to my house, you have to drive like y- hundreds of yards past Ledgeworth Village, all those buildings, the main buildings. Right. Mm-hmm. So we came to that full stop, pitch black outside. All of a sudden. We're about to make the right-hand turn, and you hear like this this re- like moaning, growl, growling type thing, and you actually hear like something metal or chains or something like that is dragging across the street. Jeez. So like as soon as we heard this, we look out the windows, and across the street coming from Letchworth, across the street directly towards our car, it's a group of three guys. One of them had their freaking head wrapped with bandages. That's the main one that I was looking at. The other two were like these tall, lanky people, right? And I couldn't really see what the other two were dressed like because my my head was staring at the guy that had bandages at. But they were real flesh and blood, just as real as you and me. They weren't like see through sure. or anything. They were like real people, like they oh. and they were making noise and hitting the ground and making sounds. And my mom, like we froze for a second and and it seemed that they came up on us right away because one of them was able to reach at the car door handle and was grabbing it, trying to open it. And my, 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 you know, my, my dad's name, like my, my real name is Ralph Anthony, right? My Uh dad's name is Ralph Anthony. So we all had nicknames, right? So my, my mom would call my dad Ralph. So my, my, my mom's like, Ralph, Ralph, drive, drive. Right. So he grabbed the handle. And as she's singing that he Burns out and makes a right turn and, and, and turns away, right? So as he's turning away and we get a little bit down the road, we look back and nobody's there. Me and my mom were looking at the back window, oh. turned around, both of us, and they were gone. Gone, dude. Oh, my God. Gone. Wow. Yeah, and that was really cr- – and, and the way they were moving was like they were like walking all deformed and bent and crooked. It sure. was weird. Oh, it was so weird, dude. Oh, <laughs> Crazy. That's yeah, horrendous. that that and and that and that is not like uh, we have a story that I don't know how true this is, but it's a local story. It's not something you're gonna find on a ghost 
ghost adventures or one of those people that that had featured sure uh, i think that have talked about uh but we have a local story here just in our town called mikey's grave uh-huh. and mikey's grave right down the street from ledgeworth part of ledgeworth village there's un, there's an unmarked summit a great there's a, a cemetery with nameless graves they have markers but they're just numbered oh, right so there's sure. there's a numbered grave that is 666 Oh, Supposedly, this is Mikey's grave. I know. What's the coincidence, right? That is six six six. So, so some somehow the mythology came along with it. But the root of the story might have some reality. Um, Mikey was supposedly somebody that was dropped off by his family that they couldn't control. He was not mentally handicapped, and he was put in Ledgeworth and experimented on, and he got free, and he burnt down one of the facilities in there, and they and I think he burned even in it. And supposedly, um, when the moon hits his grave, he comes and and will will come and and trap lovers in the because a lot of times people would go park out there in like a lovers lane near there. Oh, and supposedly, sometimes a ghostly spirit of Mikey would come and trap lovers in their car and scare them and and do all sorts of things. So oh. uh, that's the local little myth that we have along with it. But there's there's crazy stories that go on there, dude. I mean, people were it's a, literally we called it the village of secrets around here. Yeah. Because Ledgeworth Village was just a, a, a horrific stain on the community that got swept underneath the carpet because they were just basically experimenting on the mer- me- mentally challenged for oh, many, sure. many years. Sure. You know? There was this diamond shaped craft moving about 50 to 100 feet over the house. It looked like a freaking small village. Now I got to ask you a question uh, about yeah. these. These are these places were very sacred to the ancient uh, First Nations and such, and as such, they weren't generally sites for habitation, though, were they? When viewed, yeah. by, they were they were revered and considered places of the spirits and of the gods and stuff. But people generally didn't habitate there. And then comes our culture, where it's like, hey, great view, let's put a parking lot here, you know, and yeah. and. And we kind of set ourselves up for problems just by our, our I don't know, I guess, uh, uh, denseness in, in terms of spiritual relevance and, and significance, wouldn't you say? I, I, would, I would agree. I think, I think the Hudson River, along the Hudson River, was probably better suited for habitation than some of the forests and, and areas that we plowed through in sacred areas. Because, sure. you know, along rivers, a lot of times that's always the best place for habitation. But Long Island, supposedly in the in the ancient legends, there's a book that I have from 1924. That's a really good book by J.J. Woodman. Um, it's called Indian Legends, and not I, I mean I know Indian is not a per- correct words sure. not how to use, but that's the name of the book. It's from 1924 by the Stratford Company, and they have very interesting legends in there about the natives of the area. And Metawak was Long Island. And they talk about how Long Island was never meant to be inhabited. It was only meant for like the creator God to live upon, you know, and mm. and, and and this stuff that, that there was like creation experiments done over there, mm. you know. And the Montauk Indians lived uh, all the way at the edge of Long Island in Montauk, right? And they, they actually built Camp Hero, uh, military bases that had Montauk Project and all these crazy underground experiments going sure. on in those areas. 
So a lot of times the Navy bases will take over these areas. I mean, it happens all over the planet, even in Bulgaria. They have an ancient city of Apollo that the Navy like made a Navy base on and you can't even go get archaeological finds there or even archaeological people in there anymore because the Navy base was built on it. Oh, so they wow. seem to they seem to do this no matter, you know, all the time in these, these spots. Sure. But then when things go sideways, it's it's hardly surprising because the our ancient forebears knew that those, yeah. those were not places to be. They were places of reverence and and, and holy places. Yep. It seems like they, they tend to try to build facilities around doorways, spots that yeah. there's doorways or spots where the, the veil is thin. Interesting. You know? Yeah. 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 It's very interesting. Yeah. 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 And right, right in North Salem, New York here, we have um, – it's uh, Westchester County. It's about 20 miles from me and I go there all the time, especially on solstice. We have uh, a 60 to 90 ton red granite dolmen. Now, dolmen is when, like Stonehenge, when you have a bigger stone resting on some, on other stones underneath, like almost like a tabletop. Okay. Right? Where there's a chamber underneath, that's mm -hmm. a dolmen. Yep. Like Stonehenge, there's dolmens. We have one of these dolmens that's called the Balanced Rock here in North Salem, New York. The front of it actually looks like the giant head of a, a feline humanoid, the oh, front part. Right. The okay. back part doesn't quite look like that. I think I've showed it to you once before, right? Yeah, you might have you, seen it. I, I remember you doing. Uh, you had you had gone up there to investigate it, and your your you had some your electronic issues with your phones and some craziness going on there, right? Yeah, I red orbs. You know, I've recorded red orbs even over the Hudson River, like red intelligent UFO type, not crafts, but red spheres of pulsating beautiful red light. I mean, and they're vibrating and morphing and pulsating. I have videos on my YouTube that I've caught. I also saw these at the North Salem Balance Rock. Now, it's balancing on these smaller quartzite slabs. Like it, it almost looks like it's magic just how it's balancing on the slabs because they're smaller little slabs. Mm -hmm. And it's built on a magnetic anomaly, a minus 400 gamma magnetic anomaly that's coming out from all directions underneath there. It's been measured by Dr. Bruce Cornett and uh, John Burke in the 80s. There's a, a book called um, uh, Seed Seed of Plenty, Stone of Knowledge, Seed of Plenty. If I'm not, I think that's the name of it. Okay. But it, it, where he covers his experiments there, and, and there's literally a magnetic anomaly underneath. It's a chamber that you can lay there underneath. And granite, uh, it emits low levels of radiation, right? So okay. when you have low levels of radiation coming out, it's it's ionized air, and when mm. you, if you have a chamber. And the chamber doesn't have a lot of air getting in through it. Like some of the good example would be in Karnak in France. They have the Saint Michel, Saint Michael, um, grand tumulus structure that they, they call it, right. So like it's a bunch of granite stacked on top of each other, like a cone going all the way at the top. And the only place there's a hole is on the top. So there's no air getting through the sides. So. One thing that granite does is it ionizes the air and it, and it emits radiation. New Hampshire is actually called the granite state. And anybody who has granite tops in their freaking homes, they have to have these uh, radon, rayon detectors or whatever they're called to, to detect that stuff. Like you go into any hardware store or Home Depot or whatever in New Hampshire and they, they got those detectors all over the place because the homes need them. Okay. You actually got to keep a, a a window cracked if you have a lot of granite in your home because the radiation will build up and it could cause cancer over time. Oh. It's it's right, but when there's low levels of radiation coming out from a stone, it could be a healing thing. We all know that low levels of radiation can can heal. 
It could, they use it with cancers. Mm -hmm. They use it with certain things, right? So it actually can have healing properties. So it's speculated that this chamber in North Salem is this healing chamber. Now, what these grand tumular structures and this, this North Salem balanced rock could be actually doing is it giving seeds that are charged in this chamber enhanced growth for harvests. When you ionize these seeds in those chambers, they experience remarkable seed enhancements and growths. So that's most likely what they were originally built for with these these like seed treatment plants. Really amazing. Oh, that's clever. Yeah, like a seed treatment center. And you can look it up. Look up like the St. Michel, St. Michael, or, or it's spelled M-I-C-H-E-L, I think. St. Michel in uh, – in uh in Karnak, France. It's the Grand Tumulus, they call it. There's like six of those Grand Tumulus structures in Karnak where there's these giant granite mounds that are stacked on top of each other and the hole at the top. And there's a big chamber that goes down underneath. I think the St. Michel one is actually ones that have like over 20 chambers inside, but most of them just have one. But St. Michel is, is rare. It has all these different chambers inside. But the same thing with North Salem Dolan here in New York. It's this granite dolmen that seems to be some sort of magnetic anomaly healing chamber. When you lay underneath it, it's really amazing. And they have this stone-carved ancient bowl. I mean, this thing's been there probably for 10,000 years. It's, I mean, it's been there. Originally, they were calling it a glacial erratic. Like somehow the Ice Age just plopped this thing balancing on that those stones. <laughs> and it just happened to be on a magnetic anomaly with water and chambers beneath. Wow. Right? Come on. Yeah. You know? It, 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 I believe some of them are glacial erratics, but not this one. You know, not this one. Some of them, I think, were actually put there most likely by by seven to ten foot giants. You know, Rephaim or Phoenicians or Norse giants, mm -hmm. bigger humans that once existed. And uh, there's definitely proof of that. The Smithsonian, ask the Smithsonian, and it could tell you. Um, so, um, definitely proof of that. And that this structure, you know, on certain times of the year, like the winter solstice, or even on the Lion's Gate. The sun aligns right on top of it like an altar, and it's a truly amazing thing, and it's like – it lights it up. I actually put my crystal skulls that I have. I have these – a couple of big crystal skulls, and there's a stone bowl chamber underneath it that people put seeds in and different things to charge. I put my my crystal skull in there one time, Brent, and it locked right into place like it, it, it was made for it. And when I put it in there on the winter solstice 2020 – during the Saturn and Jupiter conjunction, the second I laid it down in there, I saw a flash of all these different symbols and codes in my mind all over. I have no idea what it meant, wow. but it was – it looked like all these different like weird like Sanskrit and different type, type of writings or something. Like it looked like I saw a flash of it all over. So it, it could even be some sort of like crystal memory chamber. Right. When you got, when you got granite, you got high quality of crystal inside the granite. And it will record things in that crystal. And a lot of places that have granite have high paranormal activity. Look at Gettysburg, your sure. your paranormal right. opponent. Gettysburg, all over the ground there is black granite. I don't know if you know that. I did not. But oh. all, yeah, all over Gettysburg has black granite in the ground right there. And all of that, that pain and energy gets imprinted in that crystal and gets replayed over time. You know, a lot of places that have granite underneath it have a uh, paranormal activity. Really amazing. You know, it's really amazing. That's actually in my book that I've been writing uh, is, is all about this. That's some fascinating stuff. And, and it, you know, it just makes you think about 
what what did the ancients know? How much did they know, and how much have we lost? You know, over over what we consider the advancement. But I, I you know, I, it seems like we've we've just gone totally backwards, haven't we? Yeah, I think we have, and and even with ancient Egypt, I mean, people want to say a lot of this uh, information and and things that they have are just like primitive funerary and mortuary rituals. But right. no, man, it's way more in depth. It, it, they're talking about ancient bacterias and, and cloning and all of this being added to the bodies. So at the moment of death, the pharaoh can transform into something more. They even talk about Anubis adding bacteria to the gut so the body can transform. The mummy can transform. I mean, that's intense. That's like adding oh. bacteriophages that we have that carry DNA to the gut, to the E. coli that can bring other DNA. We call it horizontal gene, gene transfer and gene swapping nowadays. But they were talking about it, in my opinion, right in the ancient Egyptian writings. That's incredible. It's really intense, man. And it, to me, they weren't these primitive funeral rituals, man. They were way more <laughs> intense than that. It is. It's incredible that the, you know all of this, and it still lies pretty much undeciphered, right under our noses. You know that it's all yep. sitting there, like uh, you know, of course, the the ruins in Egypt, and and perhaps some of these ancient sites in our Americas that you know have these profound knowledges and wisdoms as you know part of their legacy, and yet we're we're obtuse. We're just kind of yep. not aware of of all of the keys that are surrounding us. Yeah, and, and who knows exactly what it's for, but oh, there it seems to be all of these spots of energetic ley lines have had moments and years of waves of activity. Mm. And it's almost like installations were made or something was done to the area during specific times. In the, in the 70s, you know, Pennsylvania was having these wave of, of, uh, of sightings and activity. And then in the early 80s, we seemed to have had it in the Hudson Valley. And before we close, I'd like to share this one last story. Sure. Um, we had in the Hudson Valley in the early 80s, one of the first experiences I've ever had with seeing some sort of craft that really didn't belong in the sky, according mm -hmm. to our humanity, according to what we knew. Mm -hmm. And uh, I actually am related to uh, Michael Imperioli, who was a, a, you know, a famous actor. And uh, he's my he's my my Aunt Claire, my, my cousin. You know, he's my Aunt Claire's son. OK. And uh, I grew up with him. He's actually my brother, my older brother's age. But we grew up every weekend together. And his mom's my aunt. His dad's my uncle. You know, they're, they're very close to me. And I don't see him much very more, but he was a star of Sopranos. He was in Goodfellas. He played Spider, the waiter. He he actually wrote uh, The Summer of Sam and sold it to Spike Lee. Like he's a big actor now. But in the early 80s, he actually moved from Mount Vernon, New York to Brewster for a little while. And we went to go visit him one night. And there was this diamond-shaped craft. Ooh. Silent, dude. Silent. Moving about 50 to 100 feet over the house. It looked like a freaking small village size. It was huge. Wow. And it seemed to be one one piece. Mm -hmm. But in the news, they were trying to say that it could have been a bunch of planes flying in formation or, or something <laughs> like this. But sure. it seemed to be one piece, dude. It came over the, the – the, we were outside playing. And there, I remember specifically – there was like a dead frog in the street that I was playing with. I was like kicking it with the stick. I was like hitting it with the stick. There was like a dead frog outside. Okay. And I remember hitting it with the stick, hitting it with the stick, pushing it down the road. And then I saw the freaking shadow 
uh, of like this big looming thing mm-hmm. as I'm hitting the friggin' dead frog. And I look up, dude, and this just blacked out the stars in a in a huge like boomerang type like triangle or diamond. Wow. It was huge, and it was moving so slow that it it almost seemed like a, a dream. It was just coasting. All silent and slow. And then like a couple of weeks later, we had this incident that happened at the nuclear power plant here that, that, that we call Indian Point. Supposedly, they officially shut it down recently, but I'm not sure. Hmm. But um, it's it's been running for years. I mean, they were always saying that it was a problem that they were going to shut it down. So in the early 80s, we actually had a friend of the family that was a security guard. At Indian Point. I mean, it's literally right across the river from me. It's down. It's like a mile down the river and then across. So you look across. It's on the Westchester side mm-hmm. of the Hudson. It's across the river from me. So uh, I'm not going to say his name, but we had a friend of a family that was a security guard there, and they actually had a diamond-shaped craft that appeared over one of the reactors, almost touching it Oof. in the early '80s, where they got so nervous that they actually released security guards on the fire escape sort of thing that's that goes around the reactor you could there's like a fire escape thing that you could walk all the way up these like circling stairs that go around it okay so they had security guards on these stairs shooting shotguns at it oh, <laughs> oh they actually God. shot and and it, you could probably find newspaper articles about it but the security guard that worked there told me they were firing at this thing with shotguns like idiots. Like, what are you going to do with shotguns firing at this thing? And supposedly it shut down the reactor for a moment and shut it back up, like just to like no, let them know that they could shut things down. Like they sh- he shuts down the, the right. lights or did something with it, and then the thing disappeared and went away. So wow. you know that and that was happening in the early '80s all over the Hudson Valley here. That's intense. I, you know, I, I think that's there's just so much we don't know. And, and you, you bring up some really great points because one of the things I always find fascination, if I have fascinating is the artifacts out of place, you know, the, the, the London hammer and, and, you know, and screws embedded in, in uh, ancient rock formations yeah. and stuff. And, and those had to have been introduced by some society, by some intelligence that predates our own. But yeah. And by the way, that red granite dolmen that I'm talking talking about yeah. that red granite's not anywhere from around this area we don't have red granite over here it's the kind of granite i'm not saying it's from this area from egypt uh-huh. but it's the kind of granite that you would find in the aswan quarries of egypt that kind of red granite i'm not saying it's from there sure but it's it's, it's similar we don't have a red granite over here wow you know so it's it, it was that's why they're saying oh it had to be in a glacial erratic or it had to have been something <laughs> but the norse and the phoenicians were two examples of ancient advanced cultures that most likely were here in North America. Amazing. Way before, you know, yeah, for sure. It's it's always such a pleasure to have you on the show, brother. And and you bring you bring such a a, a broad spectrum of knowledge and insight. And I really thank you for being here. And I want you thank to take a couple minutes to let people know how to stay in touch with you. Oh yeah, for sure. You can find me right here on uh I, well, this is a podcast, so yeah. I don't know if it's going to be on YouTube or whatever, but I'm on YouTube at Exploring the Ka. I actually have a Copper and Crystals new website as well. Actually, I also have a website that does just pure MMA that I just started oh, on fantastic. YouTube, mm-hmm. um, Combat Sports. So, But if you want to hear anything about these topics that we're talking about tonight, you can find me at themysticalspiral.com. Mm-hmm. You can find me at Exploring the Ka on YouTube. You can find me on Truth Frequency Radio Network every Saturday night. 
from 7 to 9 Eastern or 4 to 6 Pacific or wherever you are out there. And you can also find me on patreon.com slash the mystical spiral where I put my exclusive remote viewings that I do and all my articles that I write on there. Mm -hmm. And I also make custom copper jewelry and copper healing tools that you could find at the mystical spiral store. Dot com. I also give away free crystals with every purchase, so Fantastic. really hook everybody up with that. Well, thanks again, brother, and uh, keep us posted about the book. Uh, I definitely love to have you come back whenever you want. It's it's always a, an amazing pleasure. For sure, bro. It's always a pleasure to share some time with you. It's a pleasure and honor to be on your podcast, and I'm looking forward to hearing your show tonight on TFR. All right, brother. Thanks. guys thank you so much for joining us here on tonight's show i hope you guys enjoyed it please feel free to follow us on facebook facebook.com slash paranormal portal radio as well as finding us on twitter we're on twitter at paranormal portal p-o-r-t-l and uh, we'd love to have you stop by our youtube page and subscribe and check out our shows there we got hundreds of shows journeys into the paranormal portal so i hope you'll check it out check it out guys we're over there at youtube.com slash paranormal portal so hope to see you guys soon uh we'll be back of course for more podcasts in the coming days so we love you all be good be kind be nice take care of each other help each other out find the magic in every day and remember to laugh as much as you can 